Welcome to the Recon Podcast. In today's episode, Sandy and I sit down with Butch, aka Blue X Collar X Cub on Recon, to talk about the trans fetish experience, navigating men-only spaces online and offline, and the intricacies of interacting with fellow Kingsters on the scene. Please enjoy the episode. A few months ago, we did a panel discussion during one of our Gear Stays On Masterclass events about identity. If I remember correctly, this was uh, a Masterclass event we did back in December. And the focus of this discussion panel was on the challenges we might face on the scene trying to navigate people's perceptions of us versus who we really are. I asked my panel guests questions like, who are you on the scene? What does it mean to be a part of the scene? Who do you think people see when they look at you, whether it's online or at an event? Do you feel pressured to do things you might not want to do in order to fit in or to feel accepted? How do you deal with people's projected characterization of you? And who is the real you? Which of your personalities is the you that you want us to see and know when you're A, either online or B, out on the scene? My panel discussion guests were quite varied and I really tried to make it as diverse as possible so we could get a broader perspective uh, on the point. Um, And it's something that a lot of Kingsters don't really talk about. So we thought it was really important to talk about this issue of identity. Um, And just so you know, like how diverse my panel was, I mean, I really stretched it out here. Uh, We had a twink, a muscle guy. We had an Asian guy. We had a black guy. We had a fat guy. Yes, people. I said fat because James calls himself fat. So <laughs> he's a fat guy. And we love you, James. We, and, mwah, mwah, mwah. we love you. Um, and of course, um, you know, we had an also, we had another trans guy. And it was really brilliant, you know, and at the end of it, we realized that we still had a lot of work to do when it comes to tackling diversity on the scene. Um, you know, between doing the podcast and the masterclass event uh, and the panel discussions, we've tried to highlight a lot of these issues. Um, on that panel discussion, we had Boot Black Toko, uh, who was an awesome guest and gave us some really good snapshots into what it was like being a trans man on the scene. Um, but we know that this is a topic that still a lot of people don't talk about nearly enough and I wish we could have given him a lot more airtime but I think at this point that discussion had already run for like an hour and 30 minutes and and you know we had to get the event on so we kind of shut it down but it's one of the reasons why we chose this topic of being trans on the scene um, for episode 11 of the recon podcast um I think when it comes to I guess, recon and dealing with issues of um, trans or, you know, how people are in the scene. I think we, it's something that has come up for us quite often. And Mm. I think we tread very lightly in the beginning stages of how we dealt with it and how we dealt with, you know, people tapping in. And I think it was also maybe a part out of us being, I had a, a little, I, get, I thought about it a bit. And mm. I think for me, it was important to try to handle it with kid gloves, if I can say that, you know, and to try to respect um, the other person's, you know, discretion. Um, one of the things that often would happen, you know, we're doing an event and somebody would send us an email, you know, and it's A, whether it's a woman, you know, very often a woman would writing, you know, uh, I'd like to come, you know, is your event open? Uh, you know, are, are women welcome? 
Um, you know, we've also had emails from trans people. Um, what's interesting is I've always replied to those people, you know, especially if they previously bought tickets, you know, like our events are usually um, men only. It's pretty hardcore. If you've been to a recon play party before, you know that it's basically no holes barred. <laughs> I mean, the boys play hard. They play dirty. They play hard. They play rough. And sometimes even me as an organizer, I find the scene quite overwhelming. So I can imagine what it's like for somebody else, you know, who's a... I'm, I guess even even a you know a newbie kingster, mm. but you know a woman or a trans person on the scene coming into one of our events could be freaked out a little bit, um, and I've even you know gone to the point of saying you know meet me at the door I'll take you in I'll we can walk around I can show you what it's like and you know you can see how you feel do you feel like you know do you feel comfortable and it's always been interesting to uh, see people's faces you know when they realize there's you know there's a, a woman present. And, you know, we talked about also, you know, like walking around with a trans person. And, you know, I think I've always been super conscious of how they might feel. And, you know, the question then comes of, are we maybe being a little bit protective worse? Mm. You know, we know that sometimes it might be, they may feel comfortable, you know, having somebody with them. Um, but the question on whether or not they've been allowed in uh, at our events or, you know, online, even profiles is something that has come up quite a lot. Um, I'm going to bring in Sandy here because I think, Sandy, you've had also a bit of an interesting point in dealing with these questions when they come up. Yeah. Um, hi. I'm very happy that we're talking about this today. Um yeah, Tuko did a brilliant job on the discussion panel of kind of explaining and really having our first foray into this topic. So I'm glad that we're kind of continuing it today. Um, so I think the first thing that I want to say is that Recon is 21 years old, right? It was, it came to light in two, the 2000s in a time where I don't think we were even this was not even a discussion point, you know, trans people in the way that it is today wasn't um, really on the tip of our tongues, I suppose. Yeah. And I think when it was created by our almighty Philip, <laughs> Mr. Hamill, I don't think he really thought about anything beyond his own existence, i.e. as a gay man, what he wanted out of, you know, you know, basically sexually, what did he want? He wanted to see other gay men who were into fetish. So he created Recon in that image. And I think that that legacy of creating a space that is just for men, specifically gay men. And I mean, I know that there are probably bi curious and even straight men who are on the platform who are just interested in fetish or curious about their sexuality. But essentially it's some, it, Recon was made for men who were into men. And that's not to make an excuse, but it's also just to put things to, into context, right? Um, can I so, just throw it out? Can I just interrupt you? Just one yeah, go tiny for bit. it. You know, where it, where, where it gets a little dodgy is that, you know, when we had the whole network of the 32 or so different sites, we had a site that was called dragbitch.com. Oh, I remember that was, that is hella dodgy. Yeah. And it was also one of those things that people ask, you know, and for them back then, you know, 20 years ago, this was like treading a really fine yes. line. Like, well, look, you have this website that's 
that's basically hosting for you know men who are cross dressers or yes. men who are you know who enjoy drag. Yeah. And so therefore, you must be able to like why are are you not pushing into the next level? You know, and embracing I, trans manager events as well. And it was just I, something we never answered. So I wasn't there. I wasn't around at Recon when Drag Bitch and all the different you know, sites were separated. I, I only know Recon as like the amalgamation of all these different sites, right? And I think that, again, legacy is really important. You have to think about how how Recon was presented and Recon was presented as hyper-masculine. So yeah. all of these, all the images that we used, all the advertising that we had, it was all like super, super like masculine. And that was the, that was the thing that they, that we presented back in the day. Again, I'm not making excuses for it. I'm just saying context. I'm giving context, right? So I think to link up to your events thing, the thing that's really interesting is that we have to remember that Recon as a, as a base is a site, a, a dating site, a hookup site, a whatever, however you want to put it, for men who are into whatever to find each other. And so when it comes into a real life space, does it almost feels like it would be weird to not reflect what happens online, if yeah. that makes sense. Absolutely. So I think, so I think, sense. so I think that was always the difficulty that when like, obviously, you know, some people know us as events, some people know us as the app, some people know us the web, as the website, some people knew us, you know, at one point as just the store, God rest its soul. But, oh, yes. <laughs> but I think that's the thing. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of digressing here, but the point is that at one point when I joined, maybe, no, maybe this was four years ago, that there was an influx of people reporting members and they were saying to customer support basically oh these members are women like how dare they be on the platform and yeah. and i was like okay that's i mean when customer support brought this to my attention i was like okay that's weird but then what they actually said was no what they don't realize is that these are these are trans men yeah and therefore it then brought up the whole issue of like well what what do we say to these gay men who essentially have a real problem with you know gay men have a problem with anything that's everything not <laughs> i said it people i mean you gays are fucking complicated good lord you've got issues with everything for crying out loud life i mean Antoine's my toenails are black and they've got issues with that too lord wow anton's email address is no i'm joking <laughs> <laughs> but basically there was an influx of these people that were reporting um trans members and it brought up a really good question about like well what do we think about it what's our stance on it how do we feel about it and i was just like you know, because part of my role is to really in in um, to, is to feed into product and also customer support as well. Like basically, you know, being a voice of the members and you know who what we think the membership would like us to do. Yeah. So I was basically like, well, you can't ask <laughs> you can't ask these people to leave the platform. Like I think that's that's not the done thing. You can't do that. That's not right. It's not right. at all. Not if it's you not know, right. We're supposed to be this inclusive space. Well, um, at that at that point, we weren't, that wasn't something, I mean, at that point, that wasn't something that we were actively pushing, if I mean, I'm being real. 
Let's think about it. You know, our little brand uh, slogan was, you know, what are you into? Whatever you're into, yes. you know, that this is the place for you. And we know that people are into all sorts and kinds of weird and wonderful and quirky and beautiful things. Yes. But I mean, at what point do we allow them to cut the line off and decide well, that something is, else shouldn't be allowed. And I think that was the really interesting thing. So basically when, when it, when it came down to for me was, and I don't know whether this was right or wrong. I basically said that, and this was what, I think it was like 2015, 2016. I can't really remember, but I basically was like, well, I think it kind of depends on how these profiles present themselves. So if they are, you know, masculine presenting, then yeah. you should probably leave, leave it on the platform, leave them on the platform. But yeah. if, if, if it's something else, then I don't really know, but I also don't feel like it's right for you to basically, even when women join the site, you know, we, we, we kindly suggest that maybe they have a rethink about it, but you yeah. can't tell them just to, you know, take off their, their, their thing. But the, but the thing that really struck to me was just the fact that other recon members were so hit up about it. Like, know. you know, they were really upset. They were so it. bent out of shape. It's like, uh, what does it really have to do with you or what it is that you're looking for? Nothing. Yeah. Just move right up, move along. Nothing yeah. to see here. Move along. So at that moment we said that, you know, recon is a place for men who, uh, who identify as men who are into men. And I don't yeah. know whether that was the right thing or the wrong thing at the time, but it seemed to kind of quash the influx of, you know, members that were complaining about trans men being on the platform. Yeah. But I just thought it was really, well, first of all, it was really, it was really sad that we got that many complaints, but it yeah. was also very telling about like where people's minds were at, at that point. Yeah. So yeah, I, 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 I'm really glad that we're talking about it because I just feel like, and also for my own personal knowledge, understanding, growth, I feel like this is a topic that I'm not very clued up on. And I would like to think that I'm quite socially aware, but I feel like if I'm being honest, I am, this is probably one of the areas I am really worried about offending someone or saying the wrong thing or not being mindful of, you know, a community's feelings and thoughts and all that kind of stuff, because I understand, and not to compare my own stuff to another community's, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Struggles. But I can see that there are similarities in, you know, we, we talk a lot, we talk, I talk a lot about race anyway, and how that kind of impacts your, um, entry into the scene. And I feel like there is probably a similar um, struggle with being trans on the scene. So I have a lot of empathy and that's why I think that I worry about potentially saying the wrong thing or it coming but across in the wrong way. I think it's right that this is the approach because the last thing we want to do is offend anyone. You know, I think what we've always tried to do um, in doing things like our interviews and articles and member features and, you know, with the start of the podcast and with the um, Gear Stays On panel discussions is that we try to bring the discussion to the forefront of mm. these issues that we know a lot of our members may be thinking about or may be facing. And I think it's, we have a responsibility, you know, it's one of the things that we say very often, we have a responsibility to not just highlight these issues, but to help educate people. Yes. And I think we don't want to 
you know, kick the door down and go, hey, you must, you must, you must. Um, but I think it's also one of the things for many people. Um, it's a topic because it's not talked about so much. It could be very easy to offend. Yes. And I think maybe it may be one of the reasons why people don't talk about it so much is because they don't know what to say or how to say or what questions to ask or how to ask them. And so that's why that- we're here to help. Yes, <laughs> queens. Okay, you fetish queens. Listen, right, right. So we are we, here. And we, let's get our let, guest in. Yes, let's do it. Sandy, go for it. Bring okay, him in. bring well, him in. Bring him in. <laughs> Without further. <laughs> Stop it. It is, it's, it's, I'm very excited because this person wrote an amazing article um, that was on Recon uh, now a couple of years ago now, I think, yeah. I believe. Um, and it was just so good that we thought when we were thinking about guests for this particular episode, top of the list, please, ladies, gentlemen, he, him, they's welcome, Butch. Yay! I forgot. Oh wait, I forgot. I forgot. I forgot. I forgot she's and gay yes, she's. Uh, <laughs> Hi, Birch. Uh, how are you? Hi. Thank you so much. I've been. Oh my gosh, Antoine, you crack me up. I I had to mute my mic because I just could not <laughs> stop laughing. I would have been laughing through your whole spiel there. But thank you for the my martini is kicking in. Thank you. It's good. Yeah, <laughs> it's good to join you guys. Put the drink down. We are working. But <laughs> uh, no, it's nice to have you on. It's awesome to be here with you guys. Thank you so much for inviting me, and thank you so much for inviting me to this discussion. So I suppose for the people at home, can you give a bit of a insight as to what your article was about? Because for me, what I thought was, what stuck out for me was your description about how you disturb traditional leather spaces. And that's like, that. you know, that's the kind of the summary of what you did. But can you give a bit of a breakdown for people as to what your article is about? I will just yeah, say I, something that Sandy would do, disturb yeah. leather spaces. <laughs> I'm constantly disturbing leather spaces. Okay, yeah, sorry, I wanted, I, I'll stop interrupting. Yeah, I think it's important to bring in that we did have a discussion if that was the correct word to use, which was disturb. Uh, and I guess I'll, I'll start off real quick or I'll introduce myself. I'm Butch. I am located in Chicago, the United States. I am Mr. Chicago Leather 2020, actually. And now, I guess, about two years running with that title due to the pandemic. Um, And my recon article, essentially, it, it, it essentially encompassed an experience of when I was first beginning to navigate a leather space, a dark room space, essentially kind of still coming into medical transition, still very fresh in medical transition, very early in my journey of starting testosterone and somebody who is only on testosterone, but has not had any surgery. So to, even to now with this, within this discussion, I haven't had any surgery, what we refer to as top surgery or bottom surgery, or even hysterectomy. Like I still have all my natural body parts uh, that come with that. And being in a space of somebody who, even being early in transition, I have always still maintained a very masculine appearance. And so very easy for me to be in a dark space, you know, somebody, you know, that's kind of masculine appearing with short hair 
and being in a space where other men, essentially predominantly cis men, um, aren't quite sure of what to make of you. And mm. that article essentially, it, it encompasses kind of a slight topic of rejection mm. of what it is like essentially to kind of rebound from rejection, but still maintaining who you are after rejection and kind of bouncing back from that and still kind of wanting to to come back into it and not allowing that kind of rejection to get you down just because somebody within a space doesn't necessarily respect who you are. It was, su- the, the thing is, not only is it, was it a really powerful piece, it was super sexy to read too. It was <laughs> very it. sexy to read. People, if, if you haven't read it yet, you need to go and search the Recon Home feed and look for this article. I've got two questions for you. Tell me, how did you first get into Fetish and King? How did your, your journey into Fetish begin? Oh my God. I, so I like to tell a story of, I personally came out first as a lesbian, actually at a very young age. I was 14 when I first came out and I immediately, uh, I just happened to be at a really good space and a really good time in history where kind of like in the kind of like late nineties, early two thousands, there was kind of a ripe you know, ground for younger queer people to come into politics, to come into, you know, marching, to come into just being very active within the LGBT community. And so my first pride parade here in Chicago, I attended when I was 16 and I actually attended with a college group. So a local college group had invited my high school group to march with them. Like, yeah, we're going to have a little space or what have you. We're going to be on this float. So when here at the Chicago Pride Parade, they ask you to line up basically like several hours before the actual parade starts. And you're, and you're literally <laughs> just like, yeah, and you're literally just standing in the middle of the street, you know, in this blocked off path, just waiting for hours for this parade to start. Right. And so everybody's, you know, in the street, like dancing, drinking, you got the, you know, you, you got the music and everything. Well, our college group that obviously also had high schoolers in it just so happened to be across the street from the Leather King contingent. And so we spent like those several hours <laughs> before marching, like hanging out with them and like drinking with them. And they, yeah. you know, I mean, this and obviously, like I said, this is early 2000s and they had no idea like who we were or anything, but they're just like handing us beverages and be like, hey, what's going on? How are you guys Oh, the Kingsters like, always yeah, have the alcohol. Yeah, <laughs> like we're, we're just hanging. Yeah, we're just hanging out even when and even, having a good time. Even and, when they're not allowed to have the alcohol, they always have the alcohol somewhere. Yeah, stashed. yeah, no, for sure. And so we're just hanging out, having a good time. I It's kind of actually really funny to me that there's probably people that were there that I was hanging out with or at a young age that we probably don't even remember that we may have crossed paths that I'm friends with now, like in my local community. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so that was my first like realm of un- like first kind of idea of understanding like, wow, like this is something that I can like that I have to look forward to within my future. Like these are my people, like these are, you know, this is a part of our community that is just so incredible and amazing. And to me at the time I found personally inviting. Now the thing that kind of stuck with me in particular was uh, I had brought a friend of mine with, you know, within my high school group, Uh, they actually went to a different high school uh, and they were actually straight at the time. And after the pride parade, like right before my mom had dropped us off, 
to at the point where we were supposed to go and, you know, hang out for them before the march. So I had coordinated with my with my mother to pick us up at a different part. Before my mother picks us up, my friend was like, can you believe those freaks that we hung out with at the parade? Uh, wow. And I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, dude, don't you understand? Like, those are the people that make like a really bad name for your community. Like, those are the people that everybody hates. Those are the people that like nobody has any respect for. All they are is about sex and drugs and just they just said these really, really awful things that really honestly personally hurt me at the time. And we kind of stopped being friends after that because I really couldn't believe the things that she had said. And I didn't realize that she kind of harbored this like very interesting prejudice with like inside her mm. of like, you know, couldn't believe that they were people out there half naked or wearing chaps and chains and leather. She's like, it's so inappropriate. <laughs> Isn't She's, it like, so funny that we're still having the conversation today? Still having the conversation. <laughs> She's like, you know, and they were giving us, they were giving us beer and we're minors and, you know, anything could happen to us. And I was like, I, but I, did you I drink it? But did you drink I mean, it? Okay, but did you drink it? We both drank it. So I'm like, okay, first of all, I, I personally felt completely safe. Obviously, we're, we're perfectly fine. Literally waiting, like, by a Dunkin' Donuts for, you know, coffee shop for my mother to pick us up after the parade. Like, we're fine. Nothing happened to us. And I was like, I don't feel like I felt perfectly fine and perfectly safe amongst those people, you know, and I didn't. Yeah think that anything bad was going to happen to me if anything it was one of the few times in my life where i have never felt safer you know what i mean yeah and so to listen to her just say like they are you know those people are like the worst part of your community like you need to be careful of them it just it 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 really just made me realize just the kind of not only the different kind of prejudice that people obviously harbor outside of our community but it made me also aware of the different prejudices that we can harbor within the community because I hear it constantly, even from, yeah. you know, other gay people, trans people, what have you, that, you know, like, oh, you know, those leather people or the rubber people or, you know, those people and the leather and the chains and stuff, you know, people are scared of you in some ways. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so so that was just something that was my first kind of, you know, taste of not only what's leather and kink could look like or hanging yeah. out with you know le- other leather and kink folk but as well as also a very quick intro to what it looks like when somebody is like oh if you look like that like people are going to have some sort of prejudice or hate against you this many years down the road now what is it like being a trans kinkster in chicago <laughs> Oh, it's a city uh, that we love. Yes. It's a city that we like. We like very yeah, much. Yeah, I really like Chicago. Yeah. So, I mean, I've lived in the city, you know, in and out of the city my whole life. And I, you know, I still, I, I've lived on the north side. I'm from the south side. I live on the west side now. So I have a very interesting perspective of what it means to be not only trans and kinky or leather, but as somebody that has just grown up here and seen all the different kinds of sides, all the different kinds of areas where people may not accept you, where you may not necessarily find, you know, who you want or what you want or who may not have want anything to do with you. Um, But I will say that probably just because personally I you know, I, I was raised to never apologize for who I am. Like I said, I came out at a very young age and I was very, very lucky, very fortunate to have a mother 
who accepted me wholeheartedly and was very particular to not let things, not let bad things happen to me because I was gay. And, you know, I, and I was very fortunate even now I realize now that I had no idea the different types of way that she, I don't want to say necessarily sheltered me, but kind of protected me from other family members didn't let them talk to me or ask me questions, didn't let other random people talk to me or ask me questions as to who I was or make them make them or allow them essentially the space to question who I am. And so growing up in that way, I I don't allow people to question who I am. And now coming into a realm as a transmasculine person and having to navigate a space that is is really totally something that I'm not familiar with and still learning the, you know, learning the quirks and learning the the mannerisms of what it means to be like a masculine appearing person in a male space or, you know, male on male space. Um, I know that there's going to be many different kinds of places where I'm not what people want to see or where I may not be, you know, somebody's cup of tea, essentially. But at the same time, I have so much, I know I always have so much personal support. To, and now it's it's gotten to the point now where even before I got my title, you know, I had placed my own footing within our local community between doing events, between organizing, between political organizing, where... I mean, I, I can kind of almost go wherever I want. And I know, I know I'm more than likely going to know somebody there, or I know mm. I'm more than likely going to know people who are like, oh, you know, don't you know who that is? Like, that's Butch. You don't mess with them or you don't bother them or they're here for a reason or, you know, what have you. So it's it, now it's just gotten to a point where I personally try to use that and, and utilize those advantages that I've created for myself to help other people create that space. Or, you know, I, I always like to try to invite somebody out or I always encourage people to message me or let people know like, Hey, I'm going to be at this place. Like if you've ever wanted to be there, if you ever wanted to try it, like come on with me, you know, because I, cause I know there's probably going to be somebody else that one people don't want to go by themselves. And I always encourage people not to be by themselves because you know, that's not safe. You should always have a friend with you somewhere, especially in a newer place. And two, you know, it could be a lot better to have a friend with you who may be more familiar with the area or familiar with a scene or familiar with a bar to, you know, help you kind of get your own personal footing. And, you know, so that you can be kind of like a little duckling paddling around in the water and you have, you know, kind of like the father or mother duck watching over you to make sure, you know, nothing bad happens to you. I'm going to come back in a little bit while later on about these spaces and what happens in these spaces. Um, but podcast listeners, just so you know, um, you know, we're recording the podcast and we're using something called Squadcast and we can see, and you guys can't see the hot guy we can see. So <laughs> just like press pause, open your profile. <laughs> and I want you to go to blue X color X cub. And you can see this absolutely hot Latino man that we're looking I, at I on the screen that. recording our podcast. Do you know what the funniest thing is? I just have thing, to put it out there. Wait, do you I'm know like, what the funniest thing is? Antoine, don't you think that people can multitask? <laughs> 
Uh, no, I mean, they I don't want, could. listen, I want them to have like full attention. Girl, they could I, I want do, them they, to pay full they attention. Could, they could be listening and then on their phone at the same time. Don't you know multi-screening and like, you know, fucking multitasking granddad. Get with it. Get with it. That's what the kids are doing nowadays. Multi-screening. Let me have a sip. Let me have a sip. No, but okay. But, so, Butch, but your, your Twitter profile you. is very, very, very like your the images that you put up there. Like, it's you're a very, very sexy man. Oh, Extremely you. sexy, nice and, and such and such sexy <laughs> lips as well. That's the thing. I want to like, I want to kiss on your lips, and you got oh. such good teeth. Sorry, oh, I have a thing about yeah. teeth and lips. Anyway. I mean, we're going to, we're going to come, we're going to come back to all this in, in another bit. But I mean, like the first time I opened your profile, I was like, oh, I mean, like the main profile pic you have right now. I mean, hot totty, as they would say here, hot totty, <laughs> but okay, let's yeah, not, that was we, really, we digress. A really we digress. photo. I have to give a little shout out to a really good friend of, a local friend of mine, Ed Negron. Uh, he took those photos for me. Another really wonderful, very, very wonderful person in our community. Uh, we and also love him. photographer. Yes, very amazing man. Uh, and took those photos for me. Actually, I kind of want to say like kind of right in the beginning of my title year. And they came out so well uh, that now I kind of just use them for everything. So he's really, really sweet man. And did basically gave me a really nice gift with those photos. This is a question I want to ask. And, you know, referring back to like your article a little bit, um, and also knowing you now a little bit better, you know, you talk about, as I would say, shaking the branches and coming out and, you know, and, um, you know, creating a little bit of of havoc within these scenes <laughs> and within these spaces. Havoc. I want to know, like, well, you know, sometimes it can be like Sorry. that. Somebody walks in the door, you no, hear the record scratch, like, and people are like, who's that? Yeah, yeah. So, and I want to know was, um, you know, listeners, you don't know that um, Butch is a part of the Onyx chapter. Yeah. And you also ran for the Mr. Chicago leather title. And I mean, what, where did these fit in with your journey in terms of oh your fetish gosh. journey, your kinkster coming into your space as a Latino trans man, um, <laughs> you know, on a very white scene? Yeah. So the reason why, so I'm part of, so within the club, uh, the grand uh, fraternity, as they like to refer to it as of Onyx, the chapter I'm part of is the Midwest chapter, which is known as the mother chapter, as it was the first one created here in Chicago. Um, and so Onyx was actually a fairly important part of my journey because when I finally became an adult <laughs> and was actually able to get into, you know, bars and actually get into parties and stuff myself, you know, no longer a child. I remember my first IML was when I was 21. And that's, you know, obviously the youngest that you can go to IML. And so obviously being here in Chicago and everybody knows about IML, doesn't matter a lot, of, a lot of different kinds of people that you wouldn't even guess, like know what IML is just because it's just a massive event that mm. occurs every you know year here in Chicago. And I remember like as soon as I learned about it, like as a young teenager, I was like, oh, my God, like I cannot wait to go to IML. And I, you know, and I literally looked forward to it, like for most of like my later adolescence <laughs> and me and a friend went together to our first IML. And obviously at the time, I'm still like kind of like a younger lesbian. 
And so and my, my friend is a, is a gay male, white gay male, actually. And so everybody, so a lot of people were giving him a lot of attention and I was just kind of like his little dyke wing man. And I, but I remember <laughs> one of the first, literally probably one of the first things I saw was essentially this larger group of black men that were all hanging out together. Like, cause that, of course, you know, you come into it, you come into like the hotel and it's literally just like a sea of white men at first, but then I couldn't all of a sudden, like as we're kind of walking through the hotel, all of a sudden, you know, the, the waves kind of parted and I see a large group of predominantly black men. And I'm just like, this is really, yeah, like literally, like, exactly. And I was just like, oh, wow, you should go over there. My friend was just like, oh, OK, yeah, cool. So we're in like the market, I want to say. And we happen to find this, you know, and we, we happen to essentially find with, with who I came to realize were Onyx Brothers. And they were essentially the first people <laughs> that actually like looked me in the face and said hi to me. You know, they wow. didn't ignore me. They didn't, you know, and especially because it was, you know, like I said at the time, you know, I was just like my friend's little dyke wingman. So, you know, everybody is essentially perceiving me as a woman at the time. And so for this, you know, group of men to actually look me in the face and acknowledge me when literally everybody else that we had encountered in the hotel, like was just bumping into me or just like not paying attention to me or not acknowledging me the way they were acknowledging my friend, not even saying hi or, you know, introducing nothing, you know, but then I come up to this group of men and they're the first ones to be like, oh my God, hi, how are you? Who are you? What's your name? Like, just like, and just totally actually treating me like a person yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean and that stuck with me for a really long time and so it just got to the point now where i learned about where their events were and i started coming around more and so even before i became an associate member you know i was fairly involved with their events fairly involved with a number of the brothers uh and getting to know them and you know became very good friends with many of them uh to the point to where they had not realized that I was not at the very least an associate member yet. And they were like, are you not a member yet? Like what's going on here? And I was just like, Oh yeah, you know, I hadn't, you know, I just, yeah, I've just been hanging out with you guys for so long now. I never really even thought about it. So finally became uh, an associate member. And uh, so that, so that's actually been Onyx has, has been a, a fairly large amount of my own journey of just understanding what it means to be, acknowledged within a particular you know space like that because i'm pretty sure everybody you know it's it's very awkward when you're standing around somewhere or standing or you feel like you're standing in a room by yourself and literally absolutely nobody's looking at you nobody's looking at you in the eye and and i'm a fairly short person i'm only like five two five two and a half so it's very Preach. easy for people it's Preach. very easy for people to not look you in the eye if they that's do why, not want you that's why that's why i'm so loud yeah. That's the only reason. Oh, is that why you're so loud? Girl, I'm 5'5", five five, if that. Wow. And yeah, you seem I'm a five. lot taller in online, that's so I didn't know. That's because I'm vivacious, that's yeah, why. Really. <laughs> yeah, That vivacious attitude makes you right. six feet tall. Exactly. In my, in my head, <laughs> I'm like 5'7", but anyway. <laughs> yeah, but so, so yes, it was, to me, when it came to, actually, and, and Onyx is the only leather group that i've ever associated myself with like on a like on an official level and to me when it came time to actually joining a group because i, I feel like it wasn't it 
I, I feel like there's probably a lot of different people that don't know what to do in regards to like, oh, there's so many different kinds of leather clubs in Chicago, especially there are several. There's so, there's so many different ones uh, for all different kinds of purposes. And so I just know personally when it came time for me to realize, oh, yeah, I think I want to be a part of a club. Uh, mm-hmm. It wasn't a question to me that it was going to be on it just because of how they made me feel so early on in my leather journey. And how about running for the title? How did that come running about? Running for what, the oh gosh. What did ah. you think would happen? Like, I'm gonna I'm you know, you know what? I'm it's here, so... I've arrived, I'm gonna do it. What, what so the... was it that spurred you on? <laughs> so the primary reason why I even felt like running for Mr. Chicago Leather is because one, it's like who else is more qualified than me? Like I've lived in the city my whole life. There's plenty of people that run for a title and oh I you know I have lived in, you know, Baltimore for six months, so I'm going to run for Mr. Maryland Leather or something like that. You know, like the people do it all the time. Uh, and I mean, there's just people that move here six months, one year out. They're like, oh, you know what? I'm going to run for Mr. Chicago Leather. It's like, what do you know about Chicago, though? So, you know, to me, it was one, not a question because it's like I'm actually a local and there's plenty of people that aren't, you know, it's a, it's a massive city, a lot of transplants here. And I'm like, well, you know, this is my city and I want to run for a title that represents my city. And two, um, I am married. I have a wife and we have kind of been going back and forth about, oh, maybe we will finally move from the city. may want to go somewhere else. I may want to go somewhere else to pursue like grad school and such. And so running for a title was kind of my way of kind of like solidifying my footing within the community, even though I've been part of the community for for quite a few years now. And even though I've done a number of events for the community, done a lot of organizing, a lot of volunteering and such, it's like, you know, I was like, if I win Mr. Chicago Leather, it doesn't matter where I go in the world, doesn't matter how long I've been away. When I come back, like I will always be a Mr. Chicago Leather. You know what I mean? So And to be honest, though, in some ways, it was a bit of a last minute decision (laughs) because I remember literally just two weeks after the contest, I actually told a friend of mine that lives in Canada, like, oh, hey, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not, you know, I'm not running. It's not a good idea. It's not a good time. I'm not going to do it. Well, they ended up coming anyway. And I literally turned in my application. You have to turn in your application like the Thursday night before the contest weekend, because Friday is when the is when the uh, contest starts uh, and it's a bar contest. So you have to go to Touche and turn in your and turn in your application. And I turned it in literally like an hour before it was due. I walked into the bar and I you have to turn it into the manager. His name is David. And David, David and I have essentially kind of been working together for a few years now because I actually helped start his women's night at the bar. Like, well, now it's now it's uh, called WTNB, which is women's trans non-binary. And so anybody that essentially is not a cis man uh, is allowed back there. It's a couple hours a week, uh, once a month, right? You know, second Friday of the month, I think it is. And so I helped him start that and I actually helped ran it for like a couple of years. So I think my personal concern was the fact that I spent so much time solidifying myself, particularly like on the leather dyke side. It was personally really concerning to me where I was like, if I come out like as trans masculine or if I come out like as a trans male, like nobody's going to take me seriously because everybody already knows me as one person. 
And I didn't know if I was actually essentially going to be able to like recreate myself away as, as like an, as somebody else that's, you know, is kind of starting. That's really part. interesting. Yeah. It's like another, basically doing an, another journey. Cause all the trans men that I've met essentially that, especially ones that have ran for or won a leather title of some sort or one win within the circuit, the, all of them have been uh, transitioning for a number of years and particularly were not involved in the community before transitioning. And right. so I personally, I really actually don't know anybody else like me who already was involved in the community and already had kind of like the footing that I did within my local community and then essentially go through a transition. And on top of that, decide to run for a title basically within like a very early part of transition, because when I ran for Mr. Chicago Leather, because uh, that was in 2020, I had only just begun taking testosterone like a year before in 2019. So like to do all of a sudden kind of like make that jump so quickly with very early in my transition is quite frankly to me personally, not even something that I've personally have heard of with all the different kinds of transgender people that I've met throughout mm. my journey. Um, but when I saw David and I came in and he's like, Hey Butch, what's going on? Uh, and everybody calls and everybody calls me Butch. So, you know, so, so that was even like a pre-transition thing. And he's like, what's going on, Butch? And I was like, well, I came to turn in my application, David. And he didn't even really hesitate. He's just like, oh, really? You're running? And I was just like, yeah, I want to do this. And he's like, okay, cool. Glad I have you aboard. And that was it. And that was honestly probably the number one thing that was probably causing me the most anxiety at the time was I was like, I don't know if David is going to accept me. And that, right. that honestly, I really could care less about what anybody thinks in the crowd. I could have cared less what any of the judges thought. I could have cared less what anybody else thought. The only one that I actually truly cared about was what David thought. And as soon as I saw that David was going to accept me and accept my application and essentially validate me within that space, I 100% all of a sudden felt completely fine. And that essentially helped me throughout the rest of the weekend like as soon as i saw david be like okay yeah good good to have your application see you tomorrow night at this time like as soon as he like there was no question in his mind there was no hesitation i was just like okay that's it i'm winning this thing and that's and that's how i went with the rest of the weekend see guys see what supportive community can turn out that's amazing yeah we know how important things like acceptance can be um but this is something that I definitely want to talk about. But before we do that, let's take a minute and have a quick little break. We'll make a little pause, take five minutes to catch up. Um, listeners will be right back and then we'll be back with some more juice and some more sauce from the very handsome Butch. See you in a bit. Oh, again. Next door, having all the fun again. Get yourself off and get even with Regulation. We're the UK's premier destination for fetish gear, sex toys and restraints. Gear up with a wide range of rubber, leather and sportswear, including many styles ready to ship next day. Maybe it's bondage, chastity, pop play, pain, pleasure or a bit of both. Whatever interests you, you'll find what you need in our 10,000 strong catalogue of kink. Regulation for whatever you're into. Shop online at regulation.co.uk just better warn the neighbours. Thank 
Thank you, listeners. Hope you enjoyed the break. Welcome back to our podcast with the lovely uh, Butch. Sandy and I are talking to him about being trans on the kink scene. Um, and just in case you missed it previously, I'm going to throw that profile out one more time <laughs> because it's going to come up in my talk. So the handsome Latino man we are talking to is Blue X Collar X Cub. And if you're listening to this and you're not on Recon, I would suggest you create a profile just so you can see. Oh, wow. <laughs> what we can see because you're missing out on something here. This is like what? Really so, what, in, what endorsement, Antoine? I mean, like, hey. Do I need to leave the conversation for a second to give you I a mean, private I, moment? <laughs> with me, let me, like, wipe my Because mouth I feel like, bit. wow, okay, fine. So, I, hear you. I mean, Butch, we've given out your profile. It's it's really yeah. quite detailed. I think when we first spoke, I told you like I read the. I'm one of those people, listeners. I read oh, profiles. Yeah, Antoine will read your profile up and down. Back I to read front. profiles. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You know, I don't just like look at the pic and go, eh, I swipe yeah. left or swipe right. I'm gonna read. Yeah, yeah. I'm turned on by especially good grammar. And if you oh. have good, if you start good grammar in the profile, and if you actually have something to say, like you're in. Yeah, so just Antoine, remember, <laughs> Antoine's hard just thinking about it. Jesus. Butch, I loved reading your profile and also <laughs> looking you up on Twitter because you're quite out. You're quite, it's, it's quite, it's quite full on. You have a lot to say. <laughs> um, and what I find interesting is, you know, like other trans people or trans men that I've spoken to, you know, especially trans kingsters have, I think, struggled a bit with being so out and open and honest with who they are mm. and also with what they want um, yeah. and how they would like their interactions with people who hit them up to be. And yeah. you seem to have hit several nails like right on the head with it. You're very <laughs> detailed and very precise. And I know that people, a lot of other um trans men would probably be a little apprehensive about this. You know, one of the things I said I wanted to talk about was acceptance. You know, I think for you, it's been really amazing that you've had this acceptance, you know, into Onyx and, um, you know, from your scene in Chicago and also, you know, um, and I guess life after becoming a title holder, you know, you know what that's like. There are people who have got love-hate <laughs> relationships with title holders. So this can either make you or break you. Um, mm. But it seems to have done really well. And I think what we want to talk about is, you know, acceptance in these hyper-masculine spaces, you know, and yeah. how you deal with them. You know, we mentioned earlier, you know, like the Recon platform, this idea about it was initially designed or built for this kind of hyper-masculine type of man or this person who identified as this hyper-masculine type of man. What I find really amazing or really brilliant reading your profile is this is how you read, even though you start, you know, like, I am trans, FTM. You know, you also say... Um, you know, my profile is quite tribal and it may come across as being very top heavy. And how much of, of the text that you have in is about really securing your acceptance on the scene or on the platform or in these spaces? You know, it's so funny that you say that because, uh, so I, I also have a, a scruff profile and my scruff profile is probably equally as long. If anything, it's actually longer because Recon, unfortunately, has character limits. And I tell people all the time, if Scruff, <laughs> if Scruff ever incorporates character limits, it's my fault. Like, I'm guilty. <laughs> no to support. Because I've, I've had, I've had both profiles now for 
I guess quite a while now and I don't take things away. They just seem, I just add. So things yeah. seem to get longer. The only one that I ever have to take away from is the recon. Cause again, character limits, <laughs> you, you guys are smart with that one. Cause if I don't have, if I have room to write, I'm going to take it. Um, but the number of guys that hit me up and are like, I actually read your whole profile as if they like should get a gold star or something is very, very funny. Um, but I also really appreciate it because it's nice when there are, men funny enough they'll actually use things within a profile to actually engage you like a normal person like they're like oh like i read your profile and this was this part was very interesting i would like to talk more about this mm. you know the way that they should use a profile not just like your profile is too long what are you into and i think do you might remember in my recon there's a part where it's like please do not ask me what i'm into so anytime somebody asks me that i don't care how good looking you are i don't care who you are i'm automatically ignoring you because you're telling me if you can't, especially within that being like at the very top, like, please do not ask me what I'm into. Please read the following. You're telling me that you don't actually care about who I am as a person, as even if you're just fetishizing me, you don't even care about me as a fetish. If the last thing, if you can't even bother <laughs> to read just like the very basic, like just, just essentially what I'm putting there of like, this is what I'm personally looking for. And I think there is a lot of power in being and being very specific about what you're looking for, especially when you are a more marginalized person within a scene like this, because when you are somebody like me, there's a lot of stereotypes out there that we're, you know, that trans men in particular can be predominantly bottoms, that we can be predominantly submissive or that we're somehow looking for that. And I mean, I'm, I'm personally very versatile. So uh, yes, I can be very top heavy, but I don't mind being submissive in some sense as well. Um, but when it comes to being submissive, I make it very clear as to what I'm looking for as a submissive. And I think sometimes people can be very taken aback by that as if I'm not allowed to make my own boundaries within that way, which doesn't really make any sense to me because... Like, if anything, as the more submissive or if you're expecting me to be a bottom for you, I'm I'm the one that should definitely have the most boundaries because I'm the one that has to let you know what you are or are not going to do with my body. And I think there's a lot of power in being very clear with that of like, you know, if you're coming to meet me or even if you're coming to essentially see a profile of me, even if you haven't met me in person yet, you know, there should be some way for me to communicate to you as to as to who I am or as to what the expectations should be and that I'm being very clear up front about what those expectations are. That I'm, you know, even if I'm going to be like a fantasy of yours, that fantasy is still somehow going to be curated by me. Do you do you feel like do you feel like some of you being quite specific on your profile is also maybe a need to kind of reveal or out yourself in a way? Because I feel like maybe some trans men might feel like, well, I have to state that I'm a trans man or whatever the case may be. Is Did that ever play? Because I mean, in your article, you talk about that never, when you navigate, you know, the real world sense, you know, when when people go and read it, they'll see that, you know, you don't, you didn't necessarily reveal, reveal yourself. I know that sounds really maybe obtruse to say, but like you didn't yeah. go through that process of being like, oh, hey, by the way, I'm a trans man and blah, 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 blah. And, but 
you kind of left it for the other for the other individual to kind of like find that out for themselves. But like, how much of that being specific on your profile is born out of that need, or is there a need, or do you not feel like there is a need? Does that make sense? Yeah. No. For me personally, I feel like there may be a need because. I do know, like in many, I'm part of a number of different kinds of like trans groups on Facebook, for example. And there's always a question when there are trans men that are looking into the dating scene, whether it's gay, straight dating scene, by or whether they're bisexual, whatever it may be. There's always this question of when do I let somebody know that I'm trans? Or mm. do I let them know? Do I wait till a certain date? If I'm dating, do I like if I'm just looking for something sexual? When do I let them know? When do I let them know? And for me personally, like I... I, I refuse to put myself one in a situation that could be dangerous for me. So I feel like it's also a form of safety of like, like Antoine was bringing up, you know, at the very, basically one of the very first things you're going to see at the top of my profile is that I'm transgender slash FTM. You know, I mm. put that right there. I, anywhere that I can click it, I immediately put transgender because one, it's if it's if it's something that you can see right up front, a lot of people are going to decide very quickly if that's something they want to pursue further or not right up front. Most people, if it's not what they're into, they're just going to keep scrolling. Fine. Keep scrolling. Uh, but for the people that do stop or especially for the number of men that I meet are like, hey, I've never been with somebody that's transgender, but like you're very like, you know, you're very cute or I find you very attractive. I'd be willing to find out like what it, more about it. Um, or more about, you know, what it would be like to be sexual with you. Or, you know, I, I mean, I, you know, basically want to get to know you more. Um, for me personally, it is very much just a matter overall of of safety, first and foremost. Of, yeah. I'm going to let people who I know who I am up front because I'm not going to put myself in a situation where, quite frankly, something could happen to me simply because somebody doesn't know. You know, I mean, I don't necessarily want to say that to say that if something you know if bad things happen to trans people it's their fault i just know because bad things are going to happen any either way you know it's like you can't always control when something bad happens to you but mm. i know personally if there is something that i can do or can take steps to keep bad things from happening to me i'm at least going to exhaust those steps before things just happen you know as a matter of circumstance can i ask a question i want to make a scenario and okay. this is one from talking to uh, another trans man. And one of the things we talked about was about why he doesn't come or he doesn't feel like he could come to, you know, play events or other kind of events which are sexual. Um, ah. And that is because he's a trans man who has not yet undergone surgery. So he's still anatomically female. He has all the the female parts, even though he looks extremely masculine. But yeah. he says, he said to me that he's really afraid of, you know, he once had a bad experience in going somewhere else and, you know, of course, meeting a guy and, you know, you start the kissing and touching and then suddenly there's the feeling and it's suddenly really quickly aware when the other guy's face like, oh my God, this is, I'm yeah. dealing with something completely unknown here or something that I didn't expect. And I yeah. can imagine that this can be quite challenging for a lot of other people that come out on the scene. And you then are faced with a, you know, Sandy, as you said before, this is like another kind of coming out. So you yeah. would have yeah. to like, you have to disclose, you know, um, yeah. it's, 
sometimes I wonder, you know, we don't know what people, how they would react or how they would respond or what exactly it is their expectations are. Because, I mean, none of us walks around with a sign on our fucking back, you know, going, <laughs> you know, I am this or I am that. Um, you know, Sandy, one of the things you said before was about people having empathy. And I think sometimes people get really lost here. And yeah. Butch, I'm wondering, you know, if this, if... I don't know whether or not you found yourself in this kind of scenario before, like, you know, being up close and personal with another guy and then him just discovering. Um, but as a trans man, you know, how how would you deal with it? Or how 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 do you think people would deal with it? Uh, so it's very funny that you bring that up because for me personally, sometimes it can actually be very hard for me to understand how other people perceive me. So for example, the two of you just earlier, you know, in this podcast, just earlier in the recording, we're talking about how handsome I am or what a handsome man I am. And sometimes for me personally, I actually don't think I pass very well. In a lot of ways, I don't think I actually look very masculine at all. And I'm still very much kind of have that, gender dysphoria of being like, no matter what I look like right now, people still see me as a woman. So to me personally, I actually sometimes think that people just know that I'm trans. Like I, it's actually very hard for me to imagine myself in a space thinking that somebody is totally 100% perceiving me as basically what they expect to be like a cisgender man. I, I honestly don't personally see myself within that realm i think a lot of people still view me as kind of like this very like kind of like androgynous looking person and so it's very interesting to me when i meet people or or especially for example the two of you that don't know me very well uh who are kind of perceiving me in a way that i personally don't perceive myself mm. and i will say i will say that if you remember in my article I had brought up the fact that in many of these spaces, you know, whether it's a dark room, whether it's a party or the leather bar, I'm actually usually topless. And like I said, I haven't had top surgery, so I still have my breasts. And quite frankly, they're not very large breasts. So for the most part, like a lot of people, actually, I don't think really notice them, uh, but they're, but they are breasts, you know, they still, you know, it's, it's, if you know, look at my Twitter and such, like you can obviously see like in some ways, yes, even though I am small chested, I'm fortunate within that realm too. Uh, you can still tell that in some ways I have breasts. So it's like when I'm in person and people are meeting me in person, like they can see one that I'm small and two being Mr. Chicago leather. I mean, most people know that I am the, I am the first transgender Mr. Chicago leather. And I'm only the second transgender man to hold a leather title within the city. So mm. most people, if they see me in my title vest or if they see me in my stole, like they know like, oh yeah, that's, that's the trans guy. And so it's, it's not like, I personally don't think I'm still within a space where when people are with me or if people begin touching me or feeling up on me, that they do not realize that I am transgender. Right. So I don't know what it's like, at least I don't think I know what it's like to be in a space where I'm totally 100% like masculine looking or I'm totally 100% like, oh, you know, you can't 
tell, quote unquote, can't tell at all that that's a transgender person and for them to be feeling me up and then all of a sudden be like, oh, surprise, like I have a vagina. Like, so I, <laughs> yeah, I get yeah. so I, yeah, so I, totally. I honestly I just it. don't, I, I don't think I've actually have personally been within that. Like, I don't think I've actually have personally had that experience yet. What What's it been like trying to, because I mean, again, like from my, for me personally, the hyper-masculinity of the fetish scene was very hard for me to grasp when I first started Recon. Like I found it, I found it, I felt, I found it very, I found it very uncomfortable only because I just felt like I didn't really... I mean, I'm not hyper-masculine, let's put it this way. (laughs) But like, I kind of, for the first couple of years, I really tried to kind of like assimilate myself to be hyper-masculine. And then I just thought, fuck this, this is too hard to try and, you know, um, subscribe to this kind of culture. And I'm just like, I'm just going to be myself. And I'm thankful that the scene, and I suppose the position that I have within the scene has allowed me to really be myself and my team has allowed me to be myself um recon has allowed me to be myself what was it like for you i suppose you know you know transitioning into this world of hyper masculinity and was there anything that you had to specifically learn adopt change about yourself in order to get your head around this world <laughs> it's also really funny that you say that cuz i I feel like for me, to most people, I'm the very hyper-masculine one. I had shared with the both of you that, you know, my day job is I work for the railroad and I fix trains. And right. there's not a whole lot of people, toot, I feel like, in this. Yeah, it's <laughs> Like, I'm literally outside all the day, like, working on the railroad. Like, that's what I do, you know. And, I, you know, hard hat, safety orange, the whole, the whole getup. And so... To, to a lot of people, that makes me the hyper-masculine one. Right. And that makes, you know, that makes, I don't actually, I very rarely meet anybody else that's like a blue-collar or tradesman or unionist person within the scene. You know, most people actually typically have, you know, service jobs or white-collar jobs. And, you know, they're not like me who's used to, you know, waking up at random times of the day to go outside and work outside all day. So um, it wasn't actually... To me personally, the masculinity is actually what drew me to the scene. And to me, I've part of what I loved about the scene was how much I appreciated the masculinity or the or in some ways the extreme and masculinity is what I personally found attractive about mm. it. And I knew that coming into the scene, even as a leather dyke, that sometimes it almost was kind of like, well, are you the right kind of masculine? And I guess in some ways, I I honestly personally wasn't sure if I ever fit that capacity. I do know that when I ran for Mr. Chicago Leather, I was personally very self-conscious about the fact of, you know, my leather uniform doesn't fit me the same way that it fits, you know, cisgender men as, you know, because I was alongside there was originally, my class originally had five people and then it came down to four that Friday because one of the guys couldn't show up. He had to do a work thing. So there was four of us, but I was competing alongside three other cisgender men who were three other like perfectly awesome, perfectly attractive cisgender men. And 
you know, I was self-conscious of the fact that my uniform didn't fit them, fit, didn't fit me the same way that the way that they look in their, you know, leather right. uniform or the fact that, you know, within the contest, we do uh, as well, like a pecs and personality portion. We have to be in a jock strap. And so I was out on stage, you know, with topless, you know, in a harness and a jock where, you know, again, my body looks different from all the rest of them. And I know that it was very that I was the first of essentially someone like me to be up on that stage for Mr. Chicago leather, because one, I wasn't packing. My jock strap was actually custom made for me by a good friend of mine in Montreal. And she specifically one made the waistband, a thick waistband for me so that it essentially could help masculinize my Uh, my waist and basically not extenuate my hips so much. And I also asked her, uh, many people don't know this, but the standard like thigh strap on a jock strap is an inch wide. I asked her to make mine an inch and a quarter wide because the wider width essentially also brought down my hips a little bit and basically brought down like the extenuation of my buttocks like those were things that i had in my mind Mm. that i know a grand majority of other cisgender men more than likely would not have concern about because they're just able to buy things off the rack i can't buy things off the rack just about everything that i have or have to have leather wise is custom made and because my my uniform and my leather is going to fit me differently so i do know that while I personally have always been a fairly masculine identifying person and have never have always felt very comfortable in masculinity, I also do know that when it comes to putting myself on stage or putting myself in leather or even, you know, essentially being within my IML class of what does it actually look like somebody for me to be, you know, alongside all of these other men that fit the quote unquote stereotypical leather image And I know I personally don't, you know, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a Tom of Finland person poster. You know, I'm not somebody that somebody would probably ever, you know, draw within a Tom of Finland style. Uh, So it comes down to truly actually making myself of what it means to make myself within that image and fitting myself within that image and being comfortable within that image and accepting and projecting the fact that this is what I'm going to look like and this is what I'm going to be. So I think from from what you said, it just really comes across as though the, you know, your imagery and your personality, maybe even mannerisms a bit, may be really important when it comes to how people, one, perceive you or how you may be accepted in a certain scenario or in a certain scene or a venue. Um, You know, I think you've basically nailed the online you know like on the head um <laughs> but we know. you are obsessed with yeah. this profile i mean <laughs> you know and that's why so t- i'm really glad that i it's nice having that online side and i remember when i was younger you know we had like AOL chat rooms, you know, and like the Yahoo chat rooms, and you can kind of essentially be whoever you want online. But there is very much a different, it's in, there is an art form to actually being the person in person that you project online. And I know I get, 
several messages all the time across whatever platform, whatever profile that I may have of people trying to still continue to put something on me that I'm not. And I'm like, no, like you see, like very much like what you see on the profile is what you get. And I personally feel very lucky that the person that I put on whatever profile that I may have, that's what you're going to get in real life as well. You know, like I'm not a fake railroad worker, you know, like that, you know, I'm not a fake blue collar person. Like that's, that's who I am in real life. And, yeah. You know, there comes a point where after I take a, after I get through taking a video or, or photos or whatever, I have to put my gear back on and actually get to work and actually fix trains for a living. You know, there comes a point where, you know, I am, you know, a Mr. Chicago leather and I get to the bar and I have to sell raffle tickets and I have to be sexy and I have to be sexy amongst the CMN who, usually wouldn't find me sexy. And it's like, how do I actually make myself or put myself within a space or make myself quote unquote valid within a space that usually wouldn't have somebody like me? Um, I will say that I typically will take advantage of any white friends that I have and be like, Hey, I got a raffle going on and I need to make some really good money. So you're going to come through and you're going to put on a jock strap and you're going to put on a harness and you're going to sell some raffle tickets for me because, because that is what what I do. Because that is what being an ally is. (laughs) That is what being an ally is. And, yeah, yeah. And, uh, white people get number, to work. <laughs> yeah, I thankfully have a number of friends who totally get it, and they yeah. totally are like, "Oh yeah, you know, I'll be, I'll be free that night or what have you. I'll come by, and you know, I'll help you, you know, sell raffle tickets or whatever." Because a lot of times, if I just do it by myself, yeah, I can make like maybe three, four hundred, five, five hundred a night. But all of a sudden, if I got a white guy next to me, we're making six, seven, eight hundred dollars in a night because yeah. next thing I know, everybody just wants to throw their dollar bills to talk to a white guy. So I'm like, well. If that's all it takes. I'm going to have a white guy. So. <laughs> so we know how important the wingman is. Yeah, that's what it is. So do you, th- do you think like when you were, or let's just say we're still on the topic of what happens in these spaces. We're not offline. We're in a bar. So, yeah. you know, at the time when you started, maybe let's say when you started transitioning, yeah. did you feel, feel that it was important for you to have, you know, a wingman or a sidekick to go into these spaces? Or were you fine to just like go on your own? Because I know a lot of people said, you know, they're afraid to go to places by themselves and they feel better having a mate or a friend or something else, you know, on their side. How important was that for you? So, you know, it's kind of funny that you say that because so I know in the beginning, maybe, but that even that was very short lived because I came to learn that quite frankly, if I had a wingman with me, then everybody's just going to pay attention to my wingman. They were st- I was just about to say, I bet you they were stealing focus. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. So they're stealing focus, especially if like my wingman is like too attractive. It's like, they're not going to pay attention to me. They're then you're, pay attention to him. Then so, may, I'm, so I'm, I'm I sorry, actually, but you are, you are picking the wrong wingman. That's what yeah, it is. Everyone knows yeah, your wingman is the ugly. Ugly. Your life. I don't have, I don't have any ugly friends, Sandy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What's up. <laughs> I don't have any ugly friends friends uh so yeah it it uh it comes down to now 
I mean, yeah, I may have friends in the in the vicinity or in the space, but I will very much I very much will go off by myself. So, like, for example, here at Touche, we have two bars. Essentially, we have the front room and the back room. And the back room is, of course, the club room where, you know, is the you know, where we have the hookup and we've you know got a whole separate off section of where you can go and hook up and suck dick, whatever you want. And I know for me personally, if really for anybody personally, I will have a number of people that know me in the bar. Even before I was Mr. Chicago Leather, there'll be a number of people that know me in the bar. Maybe we'll have, you know, we'll start off in the front room, but we'll eventually move to the back room. And what I come to notice is that everybody will, you know, everybody will kind of veer off to where they want to be. You know, when you're trying to, when you're trying to hunt, essentially, when you're trying to cruise, essentially, you know, you don't necessarily want somebody to be chatting with or what have you, because it takes the attention, you know, you want to look available. So if you have somebody that's too close to you, next to you, or trying to talk to you or what have you, you don't look available. So you I'm not want doing to, something you know, right. I need to start going right. by myself a lot more often because <laughs> yeah. I'm available hookers. <laughs> See, no, I, have, I, I, I feel like I have a hard time not vocalizing that answer. I don't know why. I, I, mean, I, I find it very hard for you to be silent about that. People, again, why can you guys not multitask? I can be oh. making conversation with Antoine, but be I fucking the guy that I'm cruising in the corner over there. Oh, completely. So but I also so think I you have to realize the guy that you're I fucking, like, you don't know their kind of personal anxiety level. You don't know what they're self conscious about. So if they see you mm. talk, talking to somebody particularly somebody that may also be very attractive and they're like oh man they don't want to talk to me or i don't want to waste their time so Fair. you want to you know so it's like you want to kind of have some distance where it's like if that person has the chance or the space to talk to you one-on-one you know that may be a bit better and it also you yeah. want to give yourself some space because if things get hot and heavy it can get hot and heavy very quickly and you don't want to be bumping in your friend bumping their drink or something crazy or bumping their bumping their bar stool no that's fair and Antoine does like to cock block me as well <laughs> <laughs> I said that on purpose uh, I know I know I've cock blocked you before in the past we're not going to bring up Cleveland but that was a mistake and I, and I know you've never forgiven me for Cleveland but I haven't wow. <laughs> it was wow. like it was six years ago get over it dude <laughs> I'm a Taurus we hang on to shit oh Fair my enough. god Butch I've got another question for you and this one is on um, let's say safety, you know, when you're out and about in spaces. I was a part of a community panel discussion a while back. And one of the things that was a really strong and I think very important topic of discussion um, was about safer spaces. And I think it's not just safer spaces you know, in general, it's just something that, you know, let's say me as an event organizer, I should definitely be thinking about because we want to create spaces for everyone to feel like they're welcome. But we know that there are certain people within the community that probably feel very unwelcome, very unsafe within these spaces. And I'm guessing uh, two questions. Have you ever felt like there was somewhere you couldn't go because you didn't think you would be safe in that bar or that club or that venue or or also on the other hand how important is it for you to have that venue or that club say that okay we are you know uh trans friendly space we are a safe space for you know all genders so i think it's important to define what safety is 
And to me personally, safety means that when I am somewhere physically, that particularly I'm not going to have somebody be hostile towards me. And by hostile, I don't mean I expect maybe a side glance. I expect maybe a weird look or what have you. I may even expect a comment or two or somebody being like, uh, okay. And just like walking off or just like, you know, maybe just side eyeing me. That to me doesn't necessarily personally compromise my safety. What compromises my safety is somebody actually being like truly 100% aggressive, Mm. you know, and that could be verbally meaning, Hey, like, what are you doing here? Or maybe being, you know, speaking to me in like more harsher or loud tones, or maybe even somebody like physically grabbing me in some ways or compromising my physical safety or wanting to be physically violent towards me. Those to me are actual things that to me personally compromise my safety. I don't care about sideways glance. I don't even care about maybe a random touch because there'll be guys, like I said, I usually am topless in the bar or topless in a space. There'll be guys that maybe they may be cruising or maybe just walking past or whatever. And they'll come by and just like nip my boob and they just want to grab my nipple. Just some random to me that doesn't compromise my safety because in a lot of ways, even if it may be a little like some people may consider that like maybe sexually harassing or what have you. To me personally, it's like within that space, they're they're kind of just like they're kind of like testing a boundary in a way. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's compromising your safety. It simply mm-hmm. means that testing your boundary in a cruisy space and probably in a way is trying to see if maybe they're into it or not. You know, if I'm cruising, I notice that my personal boundaries can be a little lax because I essentially want to see what I can get into. Mm. So there's a big difference between somebody kind of copying a feel to test a boundary and to see kind of what they can get into versus somebody like truly physically uh, being physically aggressive to restrain you or withhold you kind of essentially against your will. That's, you know, those are two very different things. So I will say there was one time where I was attending an event. So IML, I want to say this was 2018 or 2019. Uh, I had been invited to a party. So there is a group known as GNI, which is Gay Naturist International. And they have a leather title, which is so Mr. GNI Leather, who competes at IML every year. And some of you may be familiar with Ralph yeah. Bruno, who mm-hmm. was Mr. GNI Leather when he won IML. I want to say he was IML 2017. Uh, so he his title that he fed into IML with was Mr. GNI Leather. And I remember getting an invitation to a party. The GNI holds a basically a cocktail hour at the IML hotel known as Boots and Bourbon or Bourbon and Boots. And it's called that because they have like a little bourbon table where they serve you bourbon and or, you know, and some mixers and such. But Boots is the is is the dress code, which literally just that. It's a nudist party. Mm -hmm. So that is the dress code is boots. You're allowed to wear a vest or a harness, but you're not allowed to have your bottom covered. So you essentially have to be essentially predominantly nude. Mm -hmm. And I remember getting this invite and the the ticket costs forty dollars. So forty American dollars. And I was like, do I want to spend forty dollars on yeah, do I want to spend forty dollars on a party where I'm not really sure if I should be there? 
So I contacted the organizers of the party. I, I just went straight to GNI and I was like, hey, you know, I got an invite for this party, but I noticed that you guys essentially have a nudist dress code. You know, do you accept transgender men? Or because I also was not aware, I, I have yet to meet a transgender man that has attended like even like a GNI event. They have like a summer camp every single year. That's a men's only nudist summer camp. Essentially, it's like one or two weeks long. Uh, so I, I'd never heard of any trans men or know of any trans men that have attended it. So I, I asked, you know, am I allowed to go? I even asked Ralph because uh, I, you know, have a bit of a friendship with him. And I, and I had reached out and I said, hey, I don't know if you're familiar with many trans men attending these events or the party. I just want you to be straight up with me if you think they're going to be cool with me. If they're not, then fine. I don't care. I'm not going to make a big deal about it. I don't care yeah. if, they, if they have a certain idea of what they want to be there. Yeah. They have a certain intention. It's not it doesn't involve me. That's all I want to know. Like, I do not care. <laughs> just tell me, just tell me straight up. Do you think this is a good idea for me to go or not? So he contacted somebody for me and was like, hey, I got in touch with the guy who's actually organizing the IML party. Here's like his Facebook info or whatever. And we chatted a bit. And the guy was like, hey, you know, I'll be perfectly honest. I can't remember a trans man like coming to our parties. If there has been one or not, I'm not 100% sure. I can't tell you that. Uh, but he did say out of good faith, I'll comp your ticket and just come, you know, to the party and, you know, come as you are. And if you're comfortable, you can stay. If you're not, you can go. Uh, but if you like, I, I will comp your ticket. So I was like, okay, fine. So that was very nice that he was willing to, you know, be like, you don't have to pay $40 to get in. If you're not comfortable, you can leave, but just, you know, please go ahead and come by. So I said, fine. And I remember being at this party and there was easily like it, it was not even a very large conference room, but there was it was a conference room uh, where everybody was coming in. There was a little, you know, clothes check to check, your, you know, put your clothes in bags and take your clothes off. And so I remember I was there. I don't even think I think I was completely nude. I don't think I was wearing a harness or anything. So I'm totally freaking nude in my boots, standing around all these other guys. And I did know a few guys there, a few friends there who were kind of surprised to see me because this was actually kind of like right in the beginning of my transition. I, I don't even think I was on testosterone for a very long time. Uh, but, uh, you know, there were people that didn't know that I was beginning to transition and was on testosterone and they see me and they're like, oh, wow, like, hi, like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, I, you know, was invited and, you know, we started talking and everything. There was clearly some people there who looked at me or did a sideways glance. Like, and I, and I know I was the only person there that had, like a vagina, you know what mm. I mean? Like I, I it was very easy to look around and be like, I'm the only one here that is like me. But what I did experience there was actually kind of really incredible to me. And I had brought this up to the both of you before, kind of like in our, in our first meeting session where I brought up probably one of the most manly things that you can do as a man is be insecure. Because I had yes. men and friends yes, yes. come up to me who were like, I'm so glad that you're here. And all of them were 
insecure in one reason or another because like i said literally all these guys are naked all these guys are standing around each other naked like bare as you are a lot of times you don't even get that in a dark room if you think about a little play party you know yeah. everybody's wearing gear everybody's wearing gear everybody's in leather or rubber or what have you you don't really see a lot of nakedness actually but to be standing in a room and it actually like it wasn't even like a dark room it was actually like a regularly lit conference room standing around drinking cocktails with a bunch of other naked men so everybody has no choice but to bear everything that they have. So there were skinny men there, there, there were black men there, there were fat men there, you know, there were all these different kinds of men there. And it was very interesting to me to have cisgender men tell me that they were happy to see me there because it made them more comfortable in their own body. You know, it was very interesting. It was very interesting to me to have men tell me you know, I didn't want to come here because I thought I was too fat or I didn't want to come here because I thought I was too brown or I didn't want to come here because I have, you know, this thing on my leg where I have this mark on my leg and it makes me self-conscious and I don't like being naked or I don't like having my pants off. Like, you know, things like this. that mm. it's like I don't think people realize that men are so insecure in their own ways, especially within like a gay focused community. Men are so insecure about the way they look. Men are so insecure about their bodies. So... It's actually very important to understand that regardless of what insecurity you may have about your own body, the man that you may be trying to hook up with is going to have their own insecurities. And to me personally, that was kind of the nice thing about being at that party was you're literally standing in a group of men in a room of men with basically bearing their insecurity and I thought there was something beautiful about that. And to me, that's kind of what keeps me coming back to leather, regardless of the, you know, question of safety or regardless of, you know, what's going to happen or what have you. At the end of the day, there every every once in a while, I get these few precious moments in these spaces where I see men truly 100% being their, themselves or bearing their insecurities or bearing their truth with other men. And I think there's something very beautiful in that. I think it's really great that we talked about, you know, what it's like when you're navigating these spaces. And one of the things we also talk about is, you know, people's acceptance. And it's really beautiful to hear that by other people accepting you into their space, you actually, you know, by coming in and let's say subliminally, you know, shaking the branches, shaking the trees, <laughs> you've actually helped to break down barriers, you know, that you probably didn't even realize that you would do. Mm. So I think there's a really beautiful thing that happens Recon listeners, I hope you're you're taking note. There's a beautiful <laughs> thing that happens when you accept people for who they are. You know, that question keeps coming up over and over again. And I hope that this is something that in the future, you know, we can start to move away from, you know, this kind of exclusionary idea, um, mm. you know, and just become a bit more empathetic and embracing, you know, allow people to be themselves, allow them to be who they are, you know, do what you want to do. You don't want anyone else to judge you. So why should you be trying to judge somebody else? Preach, sister friend. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This ain't the first place you heard it, but you will definitely hear it here again. Okay, so let's, we're coming like to the end of our time. So final thoughts, Sandy? I want to just, I, I, I mean, obviously, I want people to obviously understand that, you know, your trans experience is, you know, your individual unique experience. And 
as much as there are probably other similarities between you and other trans people, like, you know, your experience is your experience. And I don't want the, the question that I'm going to ask, I suppose, is something for all of us in on this um, call to kind of figure out like what we should do. But I think I'd be really interested to hear to to hear what you have to contribute to the conversation, Butch, in terms of like, what do we do? What do you think we can do as a scene, as recon, um, as individuals to kind of make, you know, the scene a more inviting and accepting place of trans people? Like for me, just thinking about recon, is it is it helpful to have like trans labels on the platform? Would it be helpful to have pronouns on the platform? What, 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 what would be, what do you think Recon could do to make it a safer platform for trans people? That's actually a really wonderful question. I will say that, so on Scruff now, they have updated their settings and I want to say Grinder has as well to where you can add pronouns and also add gender identity. Mm-hmm. And in some ways... I, th- I think what's helped me about that is when I see different men's profiles and I read different men's profiles and I see how they personally react to those settings. And what I mean by that is I'll be very specific, for example, is when I read men's profiles and men will literally put in their profile, you know, I do I I'm not going to put my pronouns or I'm not going to put the fact that I'm a man, you know, that I'm a man and you know, they'll be very hostile in their profile. Like they'll write that in their profile. Oh my God. That's to me. Literally. I went on a, I wait, wait, just, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I just have to tell this story. I went on a date the other day and this, and this, this, this person <laughs> said like he was talking about you know grinder and updating his he was like oh, i haven't been on grinder for ages and basically i i went on there and now they're asking you for all this like pronouns and you know cis men he meant cis men and you know <laughs> i was just like i'm sorry what, what 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 what's occurring here and he's just like you know <laughs> if if they want all of that they should just have their own app and i was just like <laughs> and, I, and I literally was half an hour into having half an hour into having dinner with him, and I was thinking, how do I get out of this? But anyway, yeah, it's it's crazy to me that yeah, there are people out there. But anyway, yeah, no, but they put these kind this kind of like hostile language in their profiles, and now you're reading this. So now you think to yourself, okay, this guy was heated enough to like angry type out in his hookup profile about how he feels about pronouns. So that already kind of gives you an idea of like, okay, I'm going to ignore that person around that swipe left or whatever, because I don't want, like, I don't want to hook up with somebody like that, you know? And it's like, it's little, it's little different things like that, that just allow people, it, it allows you to like, it allows people to show who they really are. Essentially. I do know that we had previously discussed, um, when I personally look at men's parties and such, there was another party uh, that before the pandemic started, I was actually hoping to attend my first horse market party, which some mm-hmm. of you may be familiar yeah. with. Uh, it's based here in the United States. It's based out of San Francisco, uh, but they go all over. 
And I remember I wanted to volunteer to kind of get an idea of, you know, what this party would be like. But I also, I personally really love volunteering for many different kinds of events in our community. And I remember messaging the, the producer of this event, like, hey, so I signed up to volunteer for your event and to, you know, see what it's all about. But I need to let you know I'm transgender you know, is it okay for me to be in a space like this? And they were totally fine with it. They're like, oh yeah, you know, we've had a few trans men and such. Like, please just let me know if you feel like you have any problems or are uncomfortable. But I do recommend that, yeah, it's a good idea for you to maybe at least volunteer first to see how you feel about it and such. So that's super great that you do that. I really appreciate that. But I constantly have to reach out. Like I've done it several times where I have to reach out to producer be like, Hey, by the way, I'm transgender. Hey, what's up? Like, here's an email. You don't know me, but this is my name. I'm transgender. So I'm constantly having to out myself through email or personal messages or what have you. And which, and I don't necessarily mind that. I just do. I do just know that it would be really, really awesome if when people make specifically like masculine centered events or even or even just male focused or male centered events that they just put in there or put somewhere you know in a caption or something like hey yes we recognize that trans men are valid and yes you are welcome in this space or if you have if you are transgender and have any concerns about this place please email me at or please message me at so that you know it's not this it's not this like constant anxiety of yeah. am I going to be allowed there? So essentially be explicit about it. And I, I said this, I said that story about um, customer support approaching me about trans profiles being reported and stuff like that. And at the time, you know, I think the line that we went back to people with was that recon is a platform for men who identify as men. And we accept, you know, masculine presenting, um, men i don't even think we said trans men actually but maybe we should be explicit in saying that you know recon is a platform. i think we definitely should yeah recon is a platform for men who identify as men this includes cis men and trans men and i think that that would help maybe a little bit go to the direction of like answering that question and helping you know people like you who are suffering with anxiety about whether they're accepted into our spaces or not for sure just two bits butch before we go you mentioned previously about being a part of a a facebook support group do you mind sharing with our trans listeners um what that group is called Ooh, so there's a couple of them. I guess it kind of depends on what community you're in. But specifically, uh, since this is recon and we're talking about trans and kink, there's a really good F, uh, Facebook group called FTM Leather Discussion uh, that's ran by a really awesome person in the community, trans man. And he's put a lot of work into creating kind of like a mentorship group, uh, which I think has really, I think, is is a big plus to when, especially when you're coming out or especially if you don't have your own personal foothold in a particular community, having that mentorship and guidance of what it means to try to be a man in these spaces, I think is very important because I do notice, I I remember even when I was first on the side, like on the leather dyke side, I remember having that mentorship, even on the dyke side and being like very happy to when there were people that wanted to take you under their wing and show you around or or give you the do's and don'ts and such of that. And but 
then coming into the, the male side, I didn't really know exactly what that kind of would look like. So this particular group is really awesome because there's a number of transgender men from all different parts of the community and all different and all different types of, um, I should say, kind of parts of the community and and they have transitioned at different times. You know, there's men in there that transitioned, you know, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, five years ago to give you an idea of what it means to kind of be essentially growing up again within a scene or discovering yourself within this type of scene. And to me, mentorship is also one of the things aside from the sex, of course, to me, what has always drawn me to leather is the fact that mentorship is such a big part of the community. Mm. And I know I personally have always loved it when somebody wanted to take me under their wing, even temporarily, it doesn't have to be like a long-term thing, but even temporarily when you're in a bar and you have somebody that wants to share their story with you or share, you know, what it used to be like back in the day or what have you, you know, it's important for you to realize that you need to kind of carry that knowledge with you. It does make a big difference. It makes a huge difference. And so I know I've personally have always really, really appreciated when people have done that to me. And so I I hope that's something that other transgender people get out of the community as well. As we just wrap this up, Butch, I'd like to thank you for joining us and for being so open and... Uh, and sexy, honest and sensitive, <laughs> and so fucking and, and sexy. Antoine's gonna get there, Sandy. No, Antoine's gonna get there. Yeah, yeah. I just, uh, I just gave him a little nudge. <laughs> um, you know, but I just, I want to say to our listeners and all the other recon people out there, I, we have always, I guess, maybe quietly, mm. um, you know, had transgender men at our events and I want to apologize to the transgender uh, kingsters for us not being more open or more vocal about it before it's something we should have done a long time ago yeah I don't fucking know why we haven't done it but you know every once in a while we need people to give us a swift kick up the ass to move forward and sometimes that's what it takes but we also know that having beautiful and incredible conversations like this also is really important for pushing the conversations, pushing the issue and raising more awareness within our community. And I want to remind um, our kingsters, especially our cisgender kingsters, that, you know, for so many other people out there, this um, level of empathy and acceptance uh, is really a long way when it comes to shaping the scene in the community. And you always talk about the king community that you're in. And I want you to think about what kind of kink community do you really want to have? And we don't want this exclusionary kind of thing. We want to be inclusive. We hear it on the scene and at contests and speeches and other things and in articles all the time. And, you know, I just want people to practice a little bit more of, of what they preach. And I'll say to, you know, our, our trans kinksters out there, you are absolutely welcome at recon events. And we might not have been so clear about it before, but you can be sure that you will never have to ask this question again. We're going to be very clear about that going forward. So thank you, Butch, for joining us and Yay. Sandy for imparting us with your beautiful knowledge. Um, I mean, yes, <laughs> you, you are know, welcome. 
<laughs> and you know, I'm and you know, I'm going to say one more time. You know, I'm I'm really happy that we're able to have these kinds of discussions, and you know, continue our talks on diversity and wearing, uh, you know, raising awareness um, within our happy little uh, community. Um, and you know, thank you for tuning in and listening to us. And let's give uh, Butch a hand. Thank you Yay! so much. Thank you, guys. Thank you so and much. It's Friday, so happy Friday, everybody. <laughs> Bye. Matthias, cue the music. <laughs>